We're in a long journey through the gospel according to Luke, and we are walking with Jesus so that we could learn how to be more like Jesus. And there's this thing that Luke has been highlighting along the way, and we've not given it much attention until today. Luke has been highlighting along the way these many moments where Jesus will go off and pray to his Father in heaven. And we've been seeing that consistently. I mean, it's at this point, Luke has highlighted it at least six times that Jesus, on this journey, in this public ministry, has gone off and prayed. And take a look. I just There's this chart from the ESV Study Bible. You may not be able to read all of that, but let me just read through just a few of those, of those moments. So in chapter 3, we saw Jesus' praying as the heavens were opened at his baptism. In chapter 5, Jesus would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. In chapter 6, Jesus goes to the mountain and prays, and he continues all night in prayer. And then what happens? He chooses the twelve the next morning. In chapter 9, Jesus is praying alone before asking who the crowd says he is. And then in chapter 9, Jesus goes with Peter, James, and John up on the mountain to pray. And that's where he's transfigured. And in chapter 10, Jesus prays to thank God the Father in the Holy Spirit for concealing and revealing. Now, it's not that Jesus just goes off and prays himself. He also has been teaching his disciples at times how to pray, like certain things to pray for. And we've seen those that happen at least twice up to this point. In chapter 6, Jesus teaches people to pray for those who abuse them. And in chapter 10... Jesus teaches the people to pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Twice, Jesus has told them, pray for this. And so along the way, his disciples have noticed this pattern in Jesus' life. Now, at this point in the story, as he's making his way to Jerusalem, where he's going to be betrayed, crucified, and buried, and then on the third day come back to life, as he's making this journey to Jerusalem, his disciples finally ask him, would you teach us? Would you teach us to pray? And Jesus then gives a long teaching on prayer. That's where we are this morning. Luke. Luke. Chapter 11. Someone told me, so last week I couldn't say Luke. I could only say Matthew for some reason. Someone this morning said, be careful. Don't stumble on Luke because you might land in Matthew. And if you stumble too much, you might land in Revelation. And I said, okay. Okay. So, I don't know if they were, I don't know exactly what they were trying to tell me, but, okay. Chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. We'll just pause there. Now, you may notice that this prayer sounds a lot like the one recorded in Matthew. And we call this the Lord's Prayer. But there's a difference between Luke's version here recorded and Matthew's version. And without dissecting every difference, the thing we should note is because there are differences... It tells us this is a model, not a mantra. 
Jesus isn't concerned that we say all the exact words in the exact order as if it's like a magical incantation that if you just say the right words, you'll get God to do what you want. It's a structure for how a prayer flows from his disciples. And do you notice what he starts with? He starts with Father. It tells us right out of the gate that for Jesus, prayer is not... It is not to a God far off in the universe who has no relationship with anything is created. By starting with our Father, it tells us prayer is fundamentally about a relationship. Now, the significance of that word, that is, using Father. Now, we know Jesus would use the word Father, but now he tells his disciples to use the very same word. One scholar explains why this is so significant. I really liked how he said it. So here's... Here's how he explains what's going on in the front part. He says, this is the first and basic lesson in prayer. The relationship Jesus has always had with his Father, he now shares with us. And it transforms prayer. Our instinct is to think of the Almighty in holy transcendence, far off in the sky. But Jesus has brought this holy God to be our open arm Father. And by him being this open-armed father, guess what? You go to him just as a kid goes to their parent and you start asking for things you need. And what do you need? Well, he teaches us we pray for daily bread. Like we pray for, for literally our physical sustenance. And you pray for your spiritual needs as well because you need your sins forgiven. And along the way, we're asking that God would also help us Forgive others in the same way we've been forgiven, right? Not that we forgive others so we'll be forgiven, but it is an outgrowth of our being forgiven. We forgive others and we include that in this prayer to our Heavenly Father. And then we kind of end that prayer by asking that God would keep us from temptation. That He wouldn't lead us there. That He wouldn't allow us to go there. Really, it's one translator translates it that we would be kept safe from ourselves and the devil, right? I like the way he words that in that paraphrase of that verse. And, and so this is the general flow of the prayer. We start with God, like we start there in our relationship with Him. It begins with Him. It doesn't start with us, it starts with Him. But then from that relationship, we ask Him as His children, we ask Him for the things we need. And it would seem that that would kind of be a just... That's a solid teaching on how to pray, right? But Jesus doesn't stop there. So now what he's going to do is he's going to take a parable. Remember, some, the parable, uh, that word means to throw alongside. So what Jesus is now going to do is throw alongside this model prayer and help us understand, well, how do you take that model prayer and approach God? What's, what's, what's your disposition as you move towards God with this prayer? Here's what... Here's the parable. We pick up verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Now suppose you have a friend, and you go to him in the middle of the night and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and get you, give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, that's 
that's, that's the parable. That's the thing Jesus throws alongside to illustrate this model prayer and how we go to our Heavenly Father. Now, here's the thing about parables. We always need to remember this. They are teaching aids. They're tools. So you don't milk a parable for every detail, making one-to-one correlations, as if God is the friend in the house who's annoyed that he's being woken up by the friend. God's not in heaven, in his space, annoyed when we come to him. As if God is somehow asleep in his heavenly abode. And when we come to him in prayer, we've just like awoken him from, uh, uh, we, we've just like startled him from his slumber. We don't use the parable that way. We don't try to make the one-to-one correlation. The reason for this parable is to make a point. It's a point about how we approach God. And one scholar makes that point really clearly. And so I thought, rather than give you five minutes of explanation, I will read you 30 seconds of wisdom. Here's what he writes. (laughs) Can we take the quote down? Here's your five minutes of explanation. You're saying amen. All right, here we go. Prayer is not a way of getting God to do what we want or of, I like this one, or of persuading him to do something that he doesn't want to do. But prayer is an audaciously bold request for God to do what he has promised to do. So when we ask God to hollow his name, to establish his kingdom, to give us bread, to forgive our sins, and to save us from temptation, we may do it with shameless persistence, like the friend who came at night. We should pray as if he could not refuse. That's the point of the parable. It's to teach us that you take this model prayer, the structure of this prayer, and you pray it with audacious shamelessness. You literally, you pray it in such a way, believing God can't refuse you. And so you just keep going. Now, the reason you keep going is because God will actually answer you. Like, that's that's going to be the heart of this thing. Like, you go because you know he won't refuse. As we ask him for the, this, the forgiveness of sins to help us with temptation for our daily bread, literally, God will ensure all of those things happen. And so he's going to make that point very clear. He's not going to leave this parable sitting there. What he's going to do is he's going to throw one more parable alongside it to make it very clear that our Father in heaven will always answer these audacious, shameless prayers that he's just modeled for us in verse 1 through 4. Here's where we end the passage, verse 9. We pick up to end this section. So I say to you, Jesus continues, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, now which are you fathers? If your son asks for a fish, we'll give them a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If then, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, the translation here is not as helpful because it misses what's happening in the Greek. It's not just keep praying as if that's something you do once. Actually, the tense uh, of the Greek here 
would be better translated, as you keep asking, as you keep seeking, and as you keep knocking, God will provide. It's not just something you do on a Tuesday and leave it for the rest of your life. You do it on Tuesday, then Wednesday, then Thursday, then Friday, and you keep going every day. It's something that doesn't end. It's a, there's a persistence to it. And it's not that if you ask God for everything you want, He'll give it. The context of what Jesus says here, and the parable He throws alongside, is that God will give you whatever you need. So as you seek, and as you knock, and as you ask for the things you need which are established in this model prayer, God will be faithful to give it to you. Actually, he, He's more faithful than an earthly father who knows how to give their children good gifts. Like, He's even more generous than that. Interestingly, the thing that you need the most is the thing Jesus says the Father will give right at the end, which is a bit of a twist. Actually, the thing you need most isn't just daily bread or even your sins forgiven. The thing that tops all that is God's life Himself. It's the Holy Spirit. And you will have that. And His Spirit will transform you and you'll actually become the kind of person that can live with God forever in His space. Which will eventually be the new heavens and the new earth where we will have adventures that we can only begin to imagine right now. You get the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately you need Him to be transformed. Now, this, this, this idea of God being generous and using one example to then explain how much more God is on the back end, this is something that happens throughout the Bible. One of the most concise passages where this happens is actually in the Apostle Paul. And he is going to track with Jesus on this. Take a look. Paul writes this, Romans 8.32. He, the Father, did not spare his own Son, but he gave him up for us all. How will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? If God gave His Son to give you life, He can take care of your daily bread. And He sure enough can take care of your sins, right? So if God has done this, how much more will He do this? This is really just another bold statement of how generous God is. And so we take this model prayer... We are audaciously shameless and we just pray it, just believing God can't refuse it. And we do it day in and day out because God is that generous. That's verses 1 through 13. And in some ways, I feel like we just leave it there, right? Now, if you're like me, though, you walk away from all that and you say, man, I really stink at prayer, <laughs> right? Like, I've never, I've never nailed this one. I've never met a person who feels good about their prayer life. So, if you think just because I'm a pastor, I'm a great prayer, prayer-er, have you say that word? I'm not. I'm so bad I can't even say the word, right? Okay. And so when I think about how in the world does this get down on the ground for us, I just evaluate my own life and I think, well, why do I struggle with all of this? Why do I struggle with prayer? Why do I struggle with being audaciously shameless in my prayers and so persistent day in, day out. Where is the struggle? And I think we could go on for days to describe the struggles we feel and like where they come from. But let's just deal with two of them. I think these two get right on the ground with why we might struggle to go to God like this. So here's the first one. 
I think the first one is this. We struggle because God doesn't always give us what we ask for. Right? Sometimes we don't pray to God because years ago we prayed for something. And we prayed all the time. And guess what? He didn't give it to us. The loved one still passed away. We didn't, we weren't able, we weren't able to get the job. The finances still stayed broken. Whatever it is, it seemed like God just didn't care and He never came through. And over the years, you've just figured out He's probably not going to answer until you don't even ask. Right? I imagine all of us have this experience at, at, at some point where God didn't answer the thing you were begging for. And that has a way of weighing on us. And it has a way of eroding trust in this good Father who says He's for us and gives us what we need. Now, you know the two people in the world whose sole purpose is to give us what we want. Minus your spouse. Like the other two. I knew this is where we're going. I was anticipating your amen. And I was, so. The two people, the two people, the two people in this world that are, their sole purpose is to give you what you want. Is Santa Claus and the genie in the bottle. And the genie only gives you, two, uh, gives you three, usually, right? Those are the two people. And so take Santa, for example. Santa, we teach our kids to go to Santa and ask them for whatever they want. Because what will Santa do? Give you what you want. Because I think behind Santa's generosity is the assumption that kids know what they need. Because what they want is what they need. We just assume kids know and have a good evaluation of their life. And so if they want it, they get it. Do you know who doesn't give kids everything they want? Their parents. I didn't say grandparents, because grandparents are this other breed of thing that, like, destroy what the parents are trying to create. Um, parents don't give their kids everything they want because parents know that what, ki- what kids want is often what they don't need, right? We've talked about this before. We talked about this around Christmas because all those kids at Christmas wanted all that candy just before bed. Actually, that was Halloween. It happens at Christmas too. But yeah, it was Halloween we talked about that. But you know what parents aren't allowed to do? You can't give them all the candy they want at Halloween, although there is one parent that does in this room, and she says it's only that night. I don't believe a lick of what she says. I think she's just trying to make me feel bad. But, okay, Nikki? Okay. All right. And so I think this is important because God is not Santa Claus. Let me summarize it this way. God, our Father, is not Santa. So when we ask Him for what He wants, just like our kids ask us for things they want, but just as we don't give our kids everything they want, God doesn't give us everything we want. Please hear this last part. That doesn't mean God doesn't love us or isn't good. It means we don't always know what we need. So often, When we do not get what we ask for in prayer, we start from the position that we know what we need. And if He doesn't give it, then He must be the problem because we fully understand. What Jesus challenges us to is the 
reality that you and I don't know fully what we need. We go to Him like kids and we ask. But then we always end with the belief that in the end, He knows best. And He is fully good. And that's hard when you don't get what you want. Because sometimes what we want is not bad. We just don't see all ends. God is good and He will always give us what we need. We just may not understand what we need. That's a hard one. But it's the reality of the way Jesus is teaching us to pray. So you just know God gives you what you need. But one of the reasons we struggle is because we don't always get what we want. That's our problem, not God's problem. Second thing I think, second reason I think we struggle is this. I think we struggle, here it comes, um, we struggle because in general, we don't like to ask for help, right? Now, I understand that we, we always, like, we always, like, when, you're, when you are struggling and then someone says, hey, if you need some help, let me know. And then what do we say? I will, right? Like we always, yeah, I will. And then we never do, right? Because we don't like to be needy. And we don't like to, you know, to, to make other people uncomfortable or to, you know, to have to sacrifice for us. We want to fix things ourselves, do things on our own. We don't like to ask for help. And yet, at the heart of this prayer is Jesus is teaching us to ask for help. One scholar wrote something uh, about this, a very short book on prayer, and I so I pulled this quote from this book. It wasn't exactly about the Lord's Prayer, but man, it applies. And when I read this, I had quite a mix of emotions. It both challenged me, it encouraged me, made me mad, made me want to like never read the book again. It just did a lot of things to me because I know he was pressing on a problem in my own heart. Like he was stepping on my toes and I both was grateful and angry at the same time. And so I thought, I need to pass that on to my friends at East 10. Here it is. Being a Christian is first and foremost all about receiving, asking, and depending. It's when you don't feel needy, and so when you don't pray much, that you lose your grip on reality and think or act in an unchristian manner. In fact, as you grow as a Christian, you should feel not more self-sufficient, but ever more needy. And if you don't, I'm not sure you're growing spiritually. See, as when I think about growing and maturing as a Christian, I think being stronger, having more faith, being able to do things with more courage, do bigger and better things for God. And what this scholar just did in this quote is flip the narrative. It said, as you grow in Jesus, you should become more needy. I don't want to be needy. I want to be strong. But it just so happens that the most needy person in the Gospel of Luke is Jesus. Jesus at one point will say in the Gospel of John that he does nothing without his Father. So why is Jesus always praying? Why at this point has Luke highlighted this over and over and over? Because Jesus did nothing without the help of his Father. Because Jesus was the most needy human that's ever lived. You ever thought about Jesus being needy? 
We think that makes him less. For Jesus, that makes him great. Because your greatness is intimately connected to your neediness. Because in the end, you are not greater than Jesus. And I know I'm not. And if he needed to be in prayer with his Father consistently, how much more do I? But I sure don't like being needy. But this whole prayer is a prayer of neediness. Are you needy? So here's what I want to do. I want to take all this and I thought, well, how in the world do I get this on the ground? Like, how do we how do we even begin to work this out? Like, do I just start asking people for help all the time? I mean, I could. I mean, that is one way you could work out this discipline is that you actually just practice the discipline of asking for help. But how does that work out maybe in prayer? So I thought, well, maybe we could take the Lord's Prayer and just revise it a little bit. Just a little bit. To really press on our neediness. Just to remind ourselves we need Him. So here's your next step. Here's something you can do this week to try to take all of this and just get it on the ground. Say the Lord's Prayer with some revision each morning. And I'm saying morning. Because if we're going to pray for our daily bread, I'm saying let's pray that in the morning and not at night. So I'm just trying to give us a time stamp for this. All right. So what's the revision? Don't you worry. I went ahead and printed you another card. Yeah, it's becoming a thing. So you're going to grab one of these during our response time, put it somewhere, pick it up, pray it'll take you seconds, but hopefully for you and for me, it'll begin to train us to be needy. Here's the prayer. It's right here on this card. Father, your name is holy. May your kingdom come soon. I sure do need your help today. A lot. And you know what is best for me. Please give me today my daily bread. Forgive me my sins and help me to forgive everyone who sins against me. And lastly, lead me not into temptation. Just try it on. Just try it on. And see if you might become a little bit more needy this week. And if you do, you will grow in faith and joy in ways you may not have grown this week. So let's pray. Father, your name is holy. May your kingdom come soon. You know, we sure do need your help today a whole lot. And you know what is best for us. So please give us today our daily bread. And would you forgive us our sins? And we sure need your help to forgive everyone who sins against us. And lastly, would you just not lead us into temptation? We pray that in the name of your Son, Jesus.